0: The Old Testament reading for this Sunday is recorded in Isaiah chapter 55, beginning verse 6, and is God's gracious invitation to all of us to come close to Him. He comes near to us in His Word, especially the Gospel. Seek the Lord while He may be found, call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in Philippians chapter 1 beginning verse 12. The words of the Apostle Paul. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be in keeping with the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in the one Spirit for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew, the 20th chapter. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle, idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You! Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take then what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity So, the last will be first, and the first last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to thee, O Christ. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. On this day before St. Matthew's Day, Matthew, who was a tax collector, who understood finance and how the books should balance, and who stood for no injustice in those books, probably because the Romans would check them, it is the gospel for this morning that we will meditate on. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, I've had about enough of a lot of protests when people who claim to be good Americans go around with their fists raised and signs saying, no justice, no peace, no microphone, no sermon. What upsets me the most is not merely the setting aside of the rule of law, the setting aside of proper procedure for taking care of injustice. The difficulty is that everybody has their own notion of what justice is supposed to be. And they even give veiled threats that if they don't get their kind of justice officially stated their way, you'll have to excuse my French, there will be hell to pay. This is not the Christian way of running things, neither is it the American way of running things. And if I wanted to get into a political debate, I'd be happy to do so, because I would win. I wouldn't yell, I'd just win. This parable that we have for this morning is one that's been part of the Christian lectionary for almost 2,000 years. And because it's been there for so long, it's been kept. But I also know from many pastors for years and years have simply shied away from it. They don't want to preach on this thing because we have our own rather messed up notions of what's fair and what's not fair. Years ago, when I was in high school, I joined a union. My father about fell over. It was the musician's union in Waterloo, Iowa, and in that situation of paying my minimal little union dues, my pay went up for concerts over 200%. I liked that. Did I do a better job? probably not I played the same way I always did when we look at this in terms of our ways of doing things with regard to labor thinking of contracts that are made official agreements that are signed labor contracts that are very important especially here in Michigan this whole parable stinks It sounds like Jesus is showing favoritism, and worst of all, he's showing favoritism to the argus. It's a technical Greek term for those that stand around idle, meaning not only unemployed, but the term also means lazy, shiftless, and worthless. They are the very kind of people that no one would want to hire for anything. And Jesus is giving them an unfair wage compared to the people that work the entire day. Let's look at this a little closer this morning so we don't misunderstand what's going on. First of all, this master is the oikodespot. He doesn't have to check with anybody. He has absolute control. He has a despot over everything that's his. He doesn't have to ask. He went out very early in the morning to hire common laborers for the vineyard. Now what's probably happening is that the grape harvest is now coming due. What he needs is people, not technical people, but those that can cut off big bunches of grapes and haul them in so that they can be squished in the grape press. Uh, Ladies, if you had a job in this situation, you'd get to hike up your skirts and stomp around in the vat and squish all the grapes. There was an I Love Lucy uh, show about that. But it's a very joyful time to go and get the grapes. There was never enough laborers to get this done. It's a picture of the coming of the glory of God's kingdom, the great grape harvest. Now, these guys who are here in the marketplace, by the way, that's where you got a job, they are there very early in the morning. The term in Greek means even before sunrise. They are eager to work. They're good workers. And it says, after making an agreement with the laborers for a denarius, he then sent them off to his vineyard. The term here for making an agreement means you have a discussion. This is given tape of a labor negotiation. They say they'll only do this for so much, and the man hiring them does a similar thing. And they do a dance until they have an agreed-upon wage, Now, most Americans would say, now that's fair. But the parable's hardly over. They're only getting minimum wage, a denarius about the size of a quarter. Now, in buying power, however, it was worth a little less than $50. That's for 12 hours' labor. They're officially sent into the vineyard. Now, what follows here starts to grind on our sensibilities. It sounds totally unfair, if not stupid. But but wait a minute, who's in charge here? The head of the household, the master of the house, is in fact Christ himself. Who does he want to labor in his vineyard? His church. He seems at this point to be not very careful about who's being called. And going at about the third hour, that's 9 a.m. This is the time at which the guys that have been working had been doing so since 6 and they'd be having a little break at 9 a.m. But these fellows are standing, and the term here in Greek, istotes, is also tied with this bad term, argus, meaning standing around like a bunch of deadbeats in the marketplace. And he said to them, you, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, sometimes translated fair, it's the term dikaios, righteous, I will give you. Now that word give is rather important. They're not going to be getting this wage because they've truly earned it all. In large part, it's going to be graciously given them. There's the first tip-off. If we turn to our stewardship and think to ourselves, well, okay, I'll I'll serve in church, but what's in it for me? We're thinking the wrong direction. Shouldn't you at least get a big thank you, maybe a dinner, Uh, something tangible honor shouldn't that at least be yours In point of fact as we go on at this juncture the situation is going to get worse now am I hinting that we are these lesser workers what do you think yes including me including Beth. What did I just say? Or John, or the deacons, or the ushers, or the altar guild. We dare not think that we can stand before the throne of heaven and expect a certain amount of honor and glory because we have done or accomplished a certain amount. Because of our sinful nature, who do we think about first? Number one and that's the only kind of justice and fairness that many of us can think about because of our old sinful nature everything we get our old sinful nature says now you got it because you deserved it because you worked hard for it being blind to the fact that in many cases we don't really deserve anything from God Now these people who are not exactly the cream of the crop hear this phrase, go into the vineyard, whatever is right I will give to you, We're told that the then went. Now Luther is the one that sees in this what's happening. On what basis do they go to work in the vineyard? It's not a contract. They're going by faith, Luther points out. They trust What the vineyard owner is going to do for them. Again, not based on their merit, worthiness, or how much they accomplish. This is the heart of the kingdom of heaven. Some people have said the parable could just end here, but it gets better, or shall I say, it gets worse. And going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he, the master of the house, did the same thing. Now the sixth hour is noon. I had some cousins back in Iowa that learned to be lazy. Uh, They'd work as little as possible. They'd stay out late at night partying. And for some of them, they found it difficult to get up at noon. Well, he's now going to the marketplace and finding these guys that finally got there at noon. But then, even the ninth hour, that's three in the afternoon. According to the ancients, this is the time when outright drunkards would finally get up out of their stupor, middle of the afternoon. Were these characters drunkards? We don't know but they're not exactly Johnny on the spot to do work. By the way, 3 o'clock is normally a time they take a little nap. The final one is astounding, even unbelievable. And around the 11th hour, that's 5 o'clock in the evening, 5 p.m., he went out and found others just standing there. That's that Greek term again. This is the worst of the worst. But we have to be careful that we don't look down on anybody who's in this category. Remember, we're all in the category of coming short. He found others just standing there, and he said to them, Why do you just stand there being idle? That's that term again, Argus, idle, lazy, shiftless, good for nothing all day. Why? and they said to him because no one has hired us well who would I've heard people complain that don't have a job I'm told I am supposed to get a job but nobody will give me a job that's crazy talk if you're gonna get a job you have to be on time you have to have skills you have to follow what your supervisor says uh, nobody gives you a job you have to be prepared and ready for a job this kind of language is not anything new it's been around even in Jesus day some have noted that what they should have gotten from this master was a good kick in the pants Hardly any job whatsoever. The amazing thing is, again, this is all gospel. And he declared to them, You, you guys go into the vineyard too. And they only have to work an hour. When evening came, that's sometime after just sundown, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers in and pay them their wages. Misthon in Greek. Normally this is a term for what you truly deserve based on the work you've accomplished. But when you run across the term wages in the New Testament, it's all keyed into this story. Wages in God's kingdom are not based upon merit, goodness, worthiness, accomplishment, or any of those things even the simplest things that you might do, and maybe not that often, are seen as precious in Christ's kingdom. Because in so serving, trusting again in the Master's mercy toward you, you are making a strong statement of the gospel. "'Call in the laborers,' he said, "'and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, then up to the first. This is a bit odd. Usually it's the other way around. And we're told that when those hired about the 11th hour came up, every one of them received notice it has nothing to do with merit. They didn't get it because of a good job, they didn't earn it. They simply received from the graciousness of the Lord a full denarius. Unfair, says the world. Anybody who is religious who thinks that people who are losers and lazies and good for nothing should enter the kingdom of heaven, even the religious people will say, unfair. But maybe you know this little phrase from confirmation class. Grace is not fair. Grace is based not on merit, but on God's love toward us that none of us deserve. They received a denarius. But now when those hired first came up, they thought or reasoned or calculated that they would receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. I think the union steward has showed up at this point. And upon receiving it, they, there's a great Greek word, gungidzo. It's a term for growling, discontent, where if you get the chance, you're going to club the guy that just did you an injustice. It's also a term that's used for people that want to have an insurrection, who are plotting bloodshed. They'd like to kill the head of the house, which in fact tells us who these people are. This first group that comes up will only work if they've got a solid contract who think they deserve a certain amount. These are, in fact, the very religious Jews, the leaders of Jesus' day. And they do grumble against Jesus almost from the very beginning. And finally, they do kill him and they send him to to a cross not understanding that this is part of God's way of redeeming all the world. It's a matter of whether you believe in the gracious promise to come and work in my vineyard. That's the key as to whether you'll receive this gracious blessing from Christ himself. Who did Jesus die for? All. He died for all, says Saint Paul, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him, for whose sake he died and rose again. They grumbled against the master of the house saying, These last ones worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Their calculation of serving in God's kingdom in any way is based on sheer self righteousness. They're not really part of this kingdom. Jesus has a reply, he said to just one of them, and he addresses him as friend. That's how Jesus addressed the Jewish leaders even while he's hanging at the cross. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He always treats Everyone as a dear friend. Friend, I am doing you no literally injustice or unrighteousness. And now he gets them on their old legalism. And watch out for legalism where you try to justify what you have. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? They are getting exactly that they bargained for, and no more. They don't know God's mercy and grace, so they only get what their contract had said. Take what belongs to you and get going. I am choosing to give to this last worker just as I have given to you. Notice, given shows up again. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Remember, he's the oikodespotes, the house despot. He's a guy that can do anything he feels like doing. God displays his authority in that way through the gospel. That he chooses to be gracious to a bunch of losers, which is who? Yeah, make sure you point this way, not that way. If he chooses to be gracious to all, that's what should be. Or, this translation says, do you begrudge my generosity? Literally it says, is your eye evil because I am good? How we see the world around us, how we see justice, and whether or not we can see God's mercy toward us instead of self-righteousness, is the key. If you by faith can see how this system of being gracious and generous is the way God wants it in his kingdom, then you'll never see anything but the goodness of Christ toward you. What does this mean with one to another? If you're going to treat one another based on what they deserve, Oh, I think I'll have a lot of counseling to do. I'll have a lot of talk about why you shouldn't get divorced. This self-righteousness that the first group has so ingrained is a deadly thing, not only with the relationship between you and your Lord God, but also with one another. What is rich in Christ's kingdom is not the denarius, but his grace And what does that mean? Undeserved love. And the forgiveness that comes with it. That's the richness of the blessing in this parable. Or do you begrudge my generosity? And thus, in this way, the last, that is, the people you would think would be the very least possible as ever being in heaven, they become the first. And those who thought themselves first and are proud about their religiosity and how good and how righteous they are, they become the last. This is Jesus' way of showing gracious generosity. Not mere cold, hard justice, whatever that might mean, but mercy, kindness, Patience. The fruit of the Spirit ties in at this point. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self control. Against such things, there is no law. That's the kind of heart and soul that Jesus wants us to grow into as members of his joyous kingdom. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.